0: What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam Kalal, and we are Atlanta Zone, two Atlanta natives, recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports, the wacky ass hijinks, and analysis. Adam, how's it going, sir? It is going excellent, Graham. Excellent, excellent. Yes. Wow i've I've had i uh, I've worked quite a number of days in a row, and uh, I'm taking tomorrow off. Very fair. So it's like my Saturday night, Ooh. and I can think of no what, no better way to spend it. Than, uh talking sports with you, oh, I'm humbled, yeah, and watching the Braves game, of course, right. So, very fair. What's happening with you? Well oh, uh, recovering a little bit from yesterday. Uh, you know, did some uh, quality drinking during the Falcons' victory, mm-hmm. and then also loved watching the Patriots lose to the Jaguars. <laughs> and and went. I do hope you weren't a jerk to intern Jared. I don't think I was a jerk to intern Jared. I think we just watched it, and I thought about a lot of dark things about the Patriots, but I don't think I'd vocalize them. Um, then again, yeah, once that, I definitely thought they were going to come back and yeah. win that game. I mean, they definitely could have, but it was good uh, to see the Patriots lose and the Falcons win. Can't ask for much more than that. Right, and the Saints almost lose to the freaking yeah. Browns, which is hilarious. Uh, that Browns game gets a little scarier for us, though. Those Browns look half uh, yeah. decent. Yeah, yeah, know. they they're pushing people. I mean, I mean, I know that first game was you know a big slog fest in terms of the rain with the with the Steelers, but I mean, also they, I don't think the Steelers are good. Maybe not, but they they took um, they took the Saints to the wire at, in the Superdome, which not a lot of teams can do, yeah. and held their offense. So. But Adam, we are an Atlanta Professional Sports podcast. So let's uh Ooh. we got to get back on the on the train there. We almost got into some national. It's today. a good point, Graham. That's yeah. a good point. We, we you can just cut all that out right. if you want to. We can't stray too far from the path. Yep. Yeah, that's a good point. So Atlanta Professional Sports. So we got uh what do we got? We got the Falcons. We got Falcons. We got, we got the Braves. We got the Braves. Uh the Hawks. Nothing going on with the Hawks about a month. But we have them as a team. We have them. Yes. Right. We, we do have them. Uh Atlanta United, indeed. Is that all we got? Uh you got the Atlanta Dream who just lost in the WNBA Eastern Conference Finals, true to Atlanta. They were playing at McCamish Pavilion. Yeah, that's their home. With the renovations of Phillips. Have we talked about the fact that all of last year you and I thought that those renovations were already done in Phillips? I thought that was too, and now everybody's talking about it again, like it's happening now. And I thought it already happened. It makes it very obvious that we never actually went to a game. No, but I could have sworn they kept saying this is all available now, and now everybody's making a big deal out of the out of the. uh, Well, now it actually is happening, right? The courtside bar, and I was like, wasn't this fucking shit here last year? What are you guys talking about? No, it wasn't. It wasn't. No, but now it will. But now it's the barbershop, barbershop courtside bar, uh, top golf, your top golf experience. Um, which that's still dumb. I agree. Here watch a basketball game for Christ's sake. If I want not play top golf, go to top go to golf. go to top golf. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't make any sense. It's also gonna be a bastardized version. It's not like you're gonna be hitting balls into, you know, wide open field or playing the zone game or something. It's probably some digital virtual reality bullshit. Oh no, it is. Oh Jesus. Yeah, it's like uh, when you would go to Dick's Sporting Goods back in the like early two thousands and they had their little golf simulator. Right. That's exactly what it is. Jesus. So I'm gonna pay an extra two hundred dollars so I can do that. It makes sense. Yep. To some people, it does. Uh, well, got yeah, a big show. I think we got uh, lots of Falcons news to talk about. We can also check in on the mental state. Uh, continue, continue that um, <laughs> as we did in the last episode. You know, make sure the Falcons aren't slowly killing me, or I'm allowing them to kill me. Right. Um, and then we'll we'll uh, circle back to the Braves. But since we're in football mode, Adam, football season, let's start with these Atlanta Falcons. So, yeah, yesterday, Falcons win 31 and 24 over the Panthers. Yes, you heard that right. 31 points were scored by this uh, supposedly anemic offense that we were all wanted to uh, murder. murder. Yeah, murder and burn at the stake last week. 31 uh, 24 over the Panthers and a very sound victory for the the Falcons. And it was great, too, because because of all those injuries on defense. Count O'Neill, Deion Jones, losing those two huge pieces. And eventually, unfortunately, the ejection of DeMonte Casey. The offense really needed to put the team on its back this week and support the defense in their time of need, and that's exactly what they did. Yeah, the first, I was so stoked with that uh, first red zone attempt when Calvin really made that touchdown. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, that was just a sign like, okay, guys, we're good. Right. Uh, We're still able to spread the ball out to other receivers and not just force it to Julio. Um, Like we said last week, everyone needed to relax. Yep. Yep. So, I mean, Calvin really getting involved, Hooper with his touchdown, beautiful pass by Matt, and then Matt just taking himself a couple times. It was yeah four, awesome four, to see. Four total touchdowns for Matt Ryan, 23 of 28 for 272, 116 quarterback rating. Uh, yeah, he played like an MVP yesterday. He had that bad pick, um, but he was screaming at Hooper. Apparently Hooper missed an assignment. But other than that, he was he looked he was on the money and the one thing that was really impressive was the amount of time he had to make these plays Panthers got zero sacks on Matt yesterday and the Panthers front seven is quite formidable you got Poe you got Luke Keekley I know Thomas Davis is, is not playing right now but even still uh, big step forward in terms of you know you're facing two very formidable front sevens in your first two games you get kind of hosed by the first one of the Eagles but this game, Offensive line did their job. Yeah, I believe I, I actually uh, pointed that out to you during the game, and you said the offensive line was, quote, nasty. Yeah, they were getting physical. Yeah. It didn't feel like a, a finesse, sort of this finesse approach <laughs> where we just kind of like blocking guys just by touching them. It's like we were pushing people over, yeah. Hooper had a great block in the game. Uh, I think against keekley on a pass to Ridley, which was really nice to see. And I think most of the new did as well, but – Look like a completely different team offensively. There were there were shades of that 2016 Shanny offense going. Well, I mean, it was just there. I mean, the balance was like like I already said, the balance was there with, the, with running the ball as well, yes. which they didn't do it at all last week. I mean, it's the thing. Like even if you're not having success running, you have to s- still keep trying. Right, and uh, yeah, the balance was great, and uh, something we didn't report on last week only because it happened after we recorded the show was was Devontae Freeman was out. Um, a lot of reports were coming out saying he's going to be you know, missing the next two to three games. So naturally, I mean, even though you have a lot of faith What's his injury? Yeah, apparently the injury is, is to his knee. So I think it's that same knee where he's having the PCL, ACL issues from last year that slowed him, particularly in the postseason. So but going into that game, even though, you know, you have faith in Tevin Coleman, we know what he can do when he takes over. As the as the lead back and he and he's the guy leading the charge uh, from from the backfield, but you're still going up against this brutal brutal Panthers uh, front seven, which has not had not allowed a 100 yard rusher for 22 consecutive games until yesterday. Yeah, that's a pretty unbelievable stat. So of course, Devin Coleman goes out six, only on 16 carries, only had 16 carries, he got 107 yards. Um, hell of a game for him. Also had some nice catches. I was equally impressed with know Smith being the spell back, uh, nine carries for 46 yards. Excellent job. He's the rookie out of Southern Miss, I believe? I believe so. Fourth round pick this year. A little over five yards of carry, so tremendous effort. He had one play in the third quarter, which I spilled my drink uh, recreating when I was doing a uh, performance of it because I think you had missed it. Yeah, I missed it, and then you tried to describe it to me and didn't really do it justice. No, I'll, I'll try to do a better job this time. So he gets the ball. I'm also not drunk, so maybe this will be a little better. He gets the ball in the backfield. Two guys come up on him. He makes the first guy miss with a nice juke, makes the second guy miss with a nice juke, and then has the wherewithal to get up the field and get a first down. He should have been stopped for a two- or three-yard loss and he turns it into a first down. He looked fantastic the whole day. Um, and it was really nice to see him come out, because that makes you breathe a little sigh of relief in terms of our running back depth, because you knew Coleman was going to be your workhorse, which is fine. But it's like, after that, what do you got? And it was great to see that rookie produce. <coughs> Yeah, especially with—I mean, obviously this is thinking long term already, but assuming we're not—we're definitely not bringing back Coleman next year unless something happens to Devontae. I mean, we've talked about this a lot, you know. Oh yeah, Coleman's my guy. Yeah, like I think Devontae—the biggest—we're screwed. Here's the biggest problem I have with Devontae is unwillingness to alter his play style in any respect, knowing he's a small back. He's very physical, he's very aggressive. That's what makes him great is his ability to run up against people and dish out as much punishment as he takes. At the same time, because of his frame, he can't keep doing that and expect to have any sort of longevity in the league. I know running backs don't, you know, aren't built for that anymore. You know, they're done after, you know, eight years, usually or something like that. But he makes no effort to preserve his body. You think about the smaller backs we've had in the past, a lot of work done, who was able to really ensure that he had a very long career because he didn't take the hit. His, his game was also built more on elusiveness. But Freeman's physical running, while well, it is his greatest strength, it's also his greatest detriment. And I feel like it's really starting to cut into his career where he should be thriving right now in his prime. And he could, could still come back and have a good year. but. He could. I mean, but that, that's who he is as a runner, though. I mean, yeah, but but you think a you guy is, He's not going to be himself. You a guy is talented as he, as, he, as he is. But he's talented because of the way that he runs. Right, but you've got to be able to be multifaceted in this game, I think. Um, and the, the fact that he's not willing to make an adjustment and not be like, yeah, I'm just going to run straight ahead and try to bowl someone over. It's like, I don't know. Try to put some more wrinkles into your game. If you don't do that... We're already seeing the effects of what's happening because of that. So right. it's it's just like I appreciate Devontae. I love Devontae. I love the way he plays. I love his physical hard-nosed attitude. But the fact that he's so obstinate that he's not going to make any adjustments to his game and still play the same exact way, even though it's putting him on the bench and he's missing football games and guys are coming for his job now, Um. even though I you know he has that contract, it's still, still kind of frustrating. Yeah, we just got to really run uh, Coleman as much as we can, though. I mean, yeah, no, write him out you know, get as much out of them this year as you possibly can. Absolutely. Um, something also to touch on, you, you mentioned this as well, the you know, equal distribution and receiving core. You look at this, you know, four uh, catches for 65 yards for Calvin Ridley um, and a touchdown, five catches for 64 yards for Julio, five catches for 59 yards for Hooper. And so You know what the great thing about that Hooper stat is? Hmm. That was in five targets as well. That's fantastic. So he, very good. he's Making his catches, right? He's not dropping balls. And I was very impressed by the receiving core, especially Calvin Ridley. Very quiet in that opening game yeah. against Philly. Had some targets, but only had a drop. Didn't have an official reception. He was destroying that Panther secondary when he. I mean, you look at that too. Five. I mean, uh, four for sixty-five. He's getting a ton of yards after the catch there, and oh. uh, look, look, he he was just his speed was out of this world good. But he's he's not the same like he is a professional route runner. Yeah, you know like he's he's the guy that is going to kill you within ten yards, and then get those yards after catch. Mm-hmm. He's he's not the Julio going to burn you, just run him straight up and throw a bomb to him. That's right. not who he is. Right. Uh, which is a good thing to have a guy like that to counteract Julio. For sure, it, it adds a, uh, another wrinkle to the to the offense, and it kind of siphoned out most Sanu. He only had two for, two catches for nineteen yards, but I think Sanu will get his. Uh, at some point this year, but knowing, you know, the fact that we remember we drafted a, uh, a receiver in the first round and he actually played a pivotal role in this game was great. And another thing I really enjoyed seeing was just our ability to get open. You know, how we talked about that Eagles game where it's just it felt like even when guys are getting open, it's like they're just smothered or it's a struggle for anyone to really to really get open. Hooper, I remember one catch with Hooper, there wasn't a guy within 10 or 15 yards of him. So clearly mm-hmm. we were doing something offensively. To throw, and I know their their secondary is not nearly as good as the Eagles, but we were we were getting guys open in space and they able to make plays after the catch. Feel like a completely different team yesterday. And I appreciated also there was a little more motion on the on the line that we're used to seeing in a in a sark offense. And he was dialing up some, you know, much better plays. It wasn't as predictable as as what we normally see. There wasn't any, I'm banging my head against the wall, and we're gonna keep calling the same play in the red zone and just Hopefully it works, even though it's not. And we see that it's not. Uh, you know, I thought the dial up to, to Hooper there in the red zone was tremendous. That's something we talked about in our, our season preview. Is can Hooper be an effective target in the red zone? The whole offensive attack was very multifaceted and kept the defense off balance very effectively. And there are a lot more bootlegs too, a lot more play action. Um, I was thoroughly impressed with the game plan that Sart came up with. I'll, I'll give him his credit. Wow, you gotta be you gotta be fair. And I think. Um, it just felt like, and I don't know how much Matt had to do with that. I don't, I don't really care. Either way, Matt and, and Sark were on the same page in this in this game. So what you're saying? Correct me if I'm wrong, and I've been wrong before, Graham. Mm-hmm. Is that Sark's the greatest offensive coordinator the Falcons have ever had? I will uh, correct you and say no. But I will also say this: in uh, I believe, and we were four for four. In the red zone scoring touchdowns yesterday. You no know, having to settle for field goals, which is great. But I I'm I think we never with Shanahan were able to go four for four in the red zone. So we did something with Sark that we okay. never did with Shanahan, yeah. which was cool. And obviously, you know, you gotta evaluate it week to week. You never know what's gonna happen. We know that uh, the Panthers secondary ain't what it used to be. However, after laying such a fucking egg in that first game offensively matt sark the whole lot of them minus julio offensive line they came out just gangbusters yesterday so hats off to every single member of the offensive unit they did a great job and and sarkisian himself and i mean yeah on a day that we absolutely needed it with the defensive the defense being down a little bit um yeah 100 percent. that's what we need from our offense here on out Yeah, and uh, let's touch on some of the the negative aspects of this game. Unfortunately, the injury bug continues to pile up for this team. Um, Takaris McKinley's hurt, has a groin issue. As we mentioned, Devontae's going to miss a couple games probably. Uh, And Vitre got hurt, and Schweitzer came and actually played pretty well for him. And also Devondre Campbell's hurt. So what do we know about tax injury? Like. He announced today on Twitter, he said, this sucks, dot, dot, Ah. dot. So we don't know how—the severity on Levitre, Tack, and Devondre is unknown and will probably be addressed Wednesday, according to the team. That's not good. The the problem also with the pass rush is we didn't get a lot of pressure on Cam. Grady Jarrett should have had maybe two more sacks. It was pretty much like Grady Jarrett, Tack— and Poole got some Prime pressure. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, if it wasn't for Cam's elusiveness, Grady could have had two to three sacks in that game. I'm, I'm pretty convinced. Um, but, you know, other, we just weren't getting a lot of pressure on him, and now if we lose, well, I think it's now our best pass rushers, and Tack McKinley, I mean, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a huge blow. You can't replace him. Especially going up against Drew Brees this week. Yeah, we need, we really need um, Tack to play this week because this, the Saints laid an egg. Offensively, You know they're going to come out, and we always know these fucking Saints-Falcons games are high-scoring affairs for the most part, and we need the defense to be able to come get a couple stops. Yeah, do something. But I'm, I'm afraid with how uh, they performed yesterday. I mean, they got tired at the end. You they got, did. You, the, the way the Panthers play, where you have the option of Cam running, but also he just dumps it off to McCaffrey, McCaffrey. all the time. McCaffrey yep. had over 100 yards receiving. Right and then your defense is switching um, direction, and it's just going to wear them out. Right. So they, they looked good early on and then just kind of wore out by the fourth quarter. Well, I think particularly with guys playing more than they're used to. You know, you have Duke Riley playing a position that he's not used to in middle linebacker. You have um, KZ make the dumbass play of, uh, yeah, that was atrocious. Of, of hitting Cam as he's already slid. Hits him helmet-to-helmet, gets ejected. So you got this guy, third-string guy, Richards. That was the guy I was talking about right. last week that I didn't remember his name. That was the guy. <laughs> yeah, I knew he'd be a factor. Yeah, he was. Uh, didn't look great. So He's just learning the defense. Right. One guy I think the defense cannot afford to lose under any circumstances, Ricardo Allen. You cannot overstate his importance to the football team. Yeah, in he, terms of he's, he's a leader. He's, he's a leader. He's a signal caller in the secondary. And now I think, especially with Deion Jones being out, I think he's the leader of the overall defense at this point. And he had a big pick yesterday, which was tremendous. And his value, I think, overall the organization is is, is beyond anything we can measure. I'm hoping that um, Dion he strikes me as one of those like freak athletes mm. that can like recover a lot quicker. Kind of like Ronald Acuna this year, when it sure. looked like he would have been out for like the season, and he's back and like a month 10 days right or whatever it was yeah i'm hoping uh that we get a little bit of that from Deion. that would be nice i mean he, he leaves a big void man he and uh i mean i think KZ can pick up the slack and hopefully he he's had problems with targeting though so he needs to clean that shit up and get some more discipline around that but we uh good news is he dodged a suspension somehow so he's not going to be suspended for the game against new orleans which is huge oh, that's um, good considering we gotta go up against yeah. michael thomas next week yeah, but your boy Alfred's been looking real good. I think Alfred looks great. Um, True Font dropped the a easiest interception there. of his life. Yeah, I could have caught that. Like, I mean, what's Jesus. up with these guys and dropping picks? I don't get it. There's a reason why they're cornerbacks and not receivers. But come on, man. I, yeah, no, that was that was egregious. That was egregious. But at least those two are still in place. Yeah, they look fine. Um, the secondary overall looks okay. I know they got um, especially near the end there. There's that touchdown drive they went on. Where DJ Moore caught a ball and no one touched him for like thirty yards, and he got in the end zone, and it was like, what, what, what the fuck? Just that happened? was um, Duke Riley's big missed tackle. Yeah, bounced off of him. Mm-hmm. Duke looked all right. Besides that, he looked okay. He he kind of reminded me a little bit of Warlow, tackling guys a little too, you know, a little further upfield field than you'd you'd like him to. But he, he he had a respectable tackle number, and hopefully, you know, the talent's all there, and and this is the time I think we're really going to see. Him being thrust in this position, I mean, oh. he was already a starter, but being thrust in the middle linebacker position, we're going to learn uh, a lot about him. Apparently, time uh, what's Buddy's name, the linebacker from that we drafted this year from Yale? Oh, Foyer Luquin. Apparently, he was on the field at the end of the game and not and not Duke. Yeah, and 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 Coach Quinn said, uh, I think tonight on the radio, uh, he does a little interview show at seven on Mondays with a uh, little plug here for night game as if they need that. But with uh, uh, Wes. Durham and Dave Archer interviewed Dan Quinn. It's just, you know, two on one interview, which is cool for like 30 minutes on Monday nights. Um, and he was saying, Dan Quinn was saying pretty much just like, yeah, you'll see Duke out there, but yeah, you're also going to see Foyer. They both bring different things to the table. You want to put them in positions where they can succeed in different scenarios that caters mm-hmm. to their strengths. So, yeah, I think, I think we will see them uh, utilized like that. And. Uh, another thing on this game I, I want to touch on is just you know the poise Matt Ryan showed was 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 it was also with him night and day accuracy on the passes was outstanding that pass to Hooper was one of the prettiest throws I've seen him make mm-hmm. before in, in terms of where he put it he put it exactly where it needed to be for his receiver to make the play right um, there was no questioning anything he was doing in that game that last rushing touchdown he had out of this world good jumps into the arms of three Panthers defenders, takes them all down to score uh, that last rushing touchdown, the eight-yard run. Yeah, he looked like Cam Newton on that one. Yeah. I was like, holy shit. Yeah. I mean, that was uh, – I got you fired up. If that doesn't get you fired up, you're not alive. So you, you back on the Matt Ryan train? I was always on the Matt Ryan train. I, just, I was just upset with, with, with the effort on um, – it wasn't like I was putting Matt Ryan in the same place. You know, I was putting Sark. Just because Matt has consistently proven over the course of his career that he's he's your guy, right. Sark on the other hand is not. And also, I think one of the things I was thinking about a lot before the game started was, you know, there's all this talk about who's to blame for the offense's regression. And once again, take this with a grain of salt because this is these were thoughts before the game. So you know who's to blame for this offensive regression? I was like, you know what? Really, the big difference I see is. Is that it's pretty much the same personnel outside of Chris Chester being your right guard on the Super Bowl team, and Taylor Gabriel. So, and the and the biggest you know addition is Sark, and the biggest loss is Shanahan. So, I mean, you got to put blame around, but, but the biggest blame to me went to went to Sark. Like you said, though, that was before that game, right? And, and also, I, yeah. I still think the most important thing to remember is that we hated Shanahan after year one. Right. Year two, it took off. Yeah, and this so, and this looked like... It's a good sign. Yeah, this also looked a lot like the shanty offense. It was just... You just felt comfortable with that offense the whole time. The fluidity in which the play calls were coming, the diversity in the play calling, tremendous. So hopefully you can, you can you know, keep that going into this uh, week three game against New Orleans. You know who I want to call out, Graham? Who's that? Falcons fans. Hmm. Did you see everyone leave the stadium with four minutes left? Yeah, you know what? Actually, what is wrong with people? I don't know. It was silly. I know it was a two touchdown lead at that point, but why is everyone obsessed with beating traffic? Yeah, it's like it's not that bad. No, it's not. Drink a beer in the parking lot after right. You right. or go go to the Taco Mac, uh, you know, near right next to Phillips Arena. Yeah, yeah. CNN Center. Right, CNN Center. Places to wait it out. Yeah, Dantana Sunday afternoon. What the hell do you got to get home for? Right, it's it's silly. And you know, it was it was nice too. I know when the game started, of course, you had. True to Atlanta, some empty seats, but in like the second and third quarter, I was like, "Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty full looking stadium, at least on the ground." And then, yeah, it's like when they scored that uh, that that uh, that touchdown near the end of the Panthers, and you see the extra point, and it's like half empty behind the it's like the, the goal, it's the field goal. I was it's like, "It's a one score game." Yeah, so like, yeah. what the are you guys doing? That game should have gone to overtime. It really should have. And uh, was that Campbell that the like just completely missed batting that ball down? I think it went over his uh, fingers. Nah. No, it wasn't Campbell. Campbell was out by that point. I think it was Duke. I can't remember. But it's one of those things we should look up, but we're not gonna. No, we're not. Yeah. And the scary part was is like the way the, the shot was composed on. No, DJ Moore should have caught that ball. It looked like it was in his hands. Yeah. And it looked like he caught it, and I was like, oh my god, we're going to fucking overtime. All's so, well that ends well. Yeah, one. we dodged a bullet. Um big win. Big win. You're hoping that the uh, and, and honestly the Panthers dropped a lot of balls. That could have been a bit of a different game if they hadn't dropped so many balls. They did. Cam actually had one of his better games he's had against us. I think he threw for like 335 yards or something. Of course, you know, did his thing on the ground. Um, we once again aren't great at covering running backs out of the flat. You know, McCaffrey, like you mentioned, uh, over 100 yards. I think he had 10 receptions. We didn't let him bust one though. Which that was dude's nice. Good, though, yeah, he's, he's good. Just unbelievably we, shifty. Yeah, we didn't let him bust one. So, there wasn't like some big reception for like 40 yards or anything like that where he made five people miss. You know, we were making open field tackles pretty effectively. So, that was good. But um, I think that brings us into this next game against the Saints. And coming into it, these games are always crazy. Either, you know, like the the Thursday night game was kind of low scoring, but there were a lot of turnovers, freak injury to Kamara. Um, But for the most part, if you're a longtime Falcons fan, you know that these games are normally shootouts. And I wonder what we can expect with this game, Adam. <sighs> a lot of stress. Yeah. A lot of anxiety. I think we're both going to have to be blackout drunk during it <laughs> because uh, Adam and I are actually going to the game on uh, on Sunday, going to the Saints game. I actually have never been to a Falcons-Saints game, so I'm really excited. I've been to plenty of Falcons game, games over the course of my life. I've never been to Falcons-Saints, so. This will be my first Falcons game at the Benz. Mm. So that'll be exciting. Yeah, I can't remember where we're sitting, but I think we're behind the uh, we're in the end zone in the upper deck, so should have a good view of the field, like straight behind it. Sure, we're not in like a corner like we were when we had those season tickets to the Georgia Dome. Yeah, so should be good. Uh, A lot of offense. Yep. You know, it's encouraging to see the offense play as well as they did. We know that the Saints were torn up in Week One against Tampa Bay to uh, apparently the MVP of the league, Ryan Fitzpatrick, who also had an insane game against Philadelphia, just absolutely torched them. I think he has 10 touchdowns already and through two games, and he looks like freaking Aaron Rodgers out there slinging the ball around. Yeah, Tampa Bay might actually be something for us to uh, be concerned about. Mm. I'm just hoping that they're very stubborn and uh, feel the need to put their franchise quarterback... Sure, quote-unquote. ...once he's done with his uh, little suspension for... This was the Uber driver one? Yeah. I love how he gets... uh, three game for s- suspension for that, but other people who like smoke weed or whatever, get like a four game suspension. Yeah. Sexual assault versus weed. It's a little, little, little back fucking ridiculous. Anyway, uh, not to get into the whole that whole discussion. Right. But, but yeah, it will be interesting to see when his suspension is up. Will they bring him back or will they continue to ride the hot hand I mean, Fitzpatrick looks tremendous I out mean, there. Beating the Saints and now the Eagles. Back to back. And then I think they've got the Bears, I think I heard yeah, I'm not sure who they're playing. So most. I mean, yeah, if they're I mean, two and one or three and zero, oh. but their defense looks a lot better as well. That's we a- we talked about how um, you know they've revitalized their their their, their uh, defensive line a little bit. signing Jason Pierre-Paul, Vita Vea up there, uh, the rookie defensive tackle. Um, defense looks a little more formidable with that with that front four. Of course, you got Gerald McCoy, who we, we've known for a while being, a, being yeah. a terror up there, but now he's got some support. And that defense looks better. Uh, Mike Evans is a monster, as we all know. Deshaun Jackson looks healthy. Yeah, he's back. He had a huge touchdown again yesterday, where he made like three or four guys miss. Got a quarterback that can get the ball to him. Yeah, I mean he's. I mean Fitzpatrick looks like he's just drunk out there playing backyard football, but he's he's drunk in the sense that it's made him better. He's got a fucking edge. He's just slinging it with reckless, abandon, but it's finding guys and uh, yeah, Tampa Bay, you know. The one year that everybody's not talking about them is the one year they've they've shown up so far this season. I know it's only two games, but... Yeah, it's still early to know who anyone is, like the the Saints included. Sure. um, Getting killed by Tampa Bay and then barely beating the Browns. Who knows? I mean, their defense looks like it's regressed again, which is great news. Which you called out. Um, Um, And also the Browns don't have the best offense in the world. I think Terod Taylor... uh, Capable. He's capable, but it's not... Which is more than the Browns have had in the past. Right. It's just kind of like, you know, if you're giving up that 60-yard bomb that they gave up to to Tyrod Taylor at the end of the game to to tie it, you know, imagine what Matt Ryan can do against the offense. And Matt knows that that defense, and I think he can pick him apart. And I think Julio, you know, usually when Julio has a quiet game, he comes back with a big game. So we can can look for that. I think we can also look for really to continue to contribute. Tevin Coleman, I think, is going to feast um on the on the on the other side though I think without Keanu Neal and Deion Jones I think Alvin Kamara is going to have a monster game he was held in check by the Browns surprisingly last week uh no touchdowns but they're going to target him a ton out of the backfield Drew Brees loves to give him opportunities to make plays in space and he's a lot better than Christian McCaffrey no disrespect to McCaffrey but Kamara is like on another level and so we've got to be concerned about him who do you put on Kamara? It's tough. You know, if Deion Jones was here, obviously Deion Jones. But now I'm not sure. I think um, you know, you'd like to say Devondre Campbell, but you don't know the severity of his injury. Right. So if Devondre's out, obviously Deion might out. have to be a linebacker again, maybe. He, he might be. Um, he's not doing much pass rushing. So I don't know. You gotta have someone who's fast who can who can hang with him and still make the open field tackle. And it's tough to know, especially in the linebacking core right now, who's gonna be able to do that. I think a lot of it's, you know, unfortunately going to fall on the shoulders of Duke Riley. And, and, because I know Campbell was kind of on McCaffrey. and they, It looked like they were trading off. Like sometimes uh, Rico was up there making plays on him. So we'll, we'll see how Dan Quinn wants to attack him. But it might have to be a, a team effort in, in terms of keeping tabs on that guy. I think the other guy we got to worry about is Michael Thomas. Um, two touchdowns in the game against the Browns. I think he had another touchdown in the Bucks game. Big-time receiver. Uh, I'd say he's uh, the second-best receiver in the division behind Julio, Um, even though our secondary has looked really good so far this year. Got to respect that guy. I mean, you almost just don't think you can just put Trufant on him and hope for the best. No, I think, you know what, I've been more impressed with Alfred's coverage this year than Tru's, to be honest. I think Alfred's been really shut down. I wouldn't mind saying, you know, Rocky, go out and and cover this. See how it goes. See how it goes because um, they do have other weapons to worry about right you got Ted Ginn um, you know he can beat you deep has so he been in the league for like 15 years he's been playing for a long time I think since like 06 or something like that yeah. 08 um, of course we all know about 47 year old Drew Brees the man who drinks from the fountain of youth he, you know he could certainly tear us up as well yeah, I think we got to score more than the 31 we put up this week yeah I think we got to get 38 we, we need to really I feel just, good about our offense coming into this one now. I do too. All I, of a sudden, things have flip flop. So, you hope that can continue against a defense that hasn't always really shown you that much this year in the Saints and that we can uh, eke out a, a victory. Have I mentioned I was impressed with the balance of the offense, Graham? Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Spreading it out to the receivers. Spreading out the receivers. Sure, sure, sure. Um, but yeah, I think another, another thing to keep your eyes on this week is the is, uh, injuries. You know, is Levitre going to be out? Is Devondre going to be out? Is Tack out, more importantly? Um we know getting pressure on Drew Brees always helps, but it's tough to do that. Um He's a very hard guy to sack even at, at his, his age. So if you lose tack, man, we're, we're, we're looking at an uphill battle there. This is a perfect example of why draft picks are so important. Mm. For like when, when you were talking about trading all those draft picks for, um what's-his-face from the Raiders? Oh, Cleo Mack. Yeah. I mean, injuries like this happen, and so you have to have that depth. Sure. Um so these these young bucks are gonna have to step in real quick. and Learn on the job. Yep. But yeah, we don't have to play the prediction game. Shootout for sure. If the game is under, you know, 40 points or something like that, I'll be shocked. Like a total combined score. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm totally shocked. But, uh, anything else for you on the on the Falcons? I think we pretty much covered I it, yeah. Grant. I agree. <laughs> All right, let's transition now to your Atlanta Braves. Uh, Braves are still in first place in the NL East. Um, Six-and-a-half game lead on the Phillies. Any number of Braves wins and Phillies losses that equates to eight captures a division title for the Braves. We're pretty uh, sabermetric-heavy guys over here. I'm sure any uh, <laughs> users know about magic number. Oh, yeah. That's like the original sabermetric. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're, we're in good shape, Graham. Yeah, so after that... Uh, here, here's my question yeah. though, on the magic number. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can help me crunch some numbers here. What needs to happen for the Braves to have a chance to clinch on Friday when we're at the game? I think that's feasible. Mm. We need to sweep this series. The Cardinals, would need to... So say we win, three yeah, in, if yeah, we win three in a row through Wednesday, right? And the Phillies th- win three in a row, then the magic number is down to two. No, no, they lose. If they lose three in a row, yeah. then it's down to two. Yeah, so we definitely could. They could clinch the game that we go to on Friday night. So if if that at all and we have to win the game Thursday against then we have to win on Friday. Oh, not necessarily. No, if we can, if it can get to two. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're playing the Phillies. Sure, 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 sure. Say we're metrics. Yeah. Well, no, but <laughs> I, I understand what you're trying to say. Right. Yeah. So it's possible. Um, unfortunately after that great, uh, West Coast road trip, we were on six to seven, um, came back home, lost two or three to the Nationals. Although I will say this, scoring six runs off Max Scherzer on that Friday night game. Dude, I don't know why they keep pitching Scherzer against us. Like we own his ass for some reason. Yeah. We seem to have dominated him this year and it was, and we chased him after four innings. Uh, gave up six runs, uh, fucking Ronald Acuna Jr. four hits off of. First four-hit game. The top three pitcher in baseball. What a way to do it. That kid is so good um, Way What a way to get your first four-hit game against one of the best pitchers in the game. I was, it was Saturday morning. I was at work and just watching the full highlights from that game because I think I missed a little bit of it. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, Acuna's triple. Yeah. In that game. And just him like sliding head first into third. And then just so much pure joy. Right. On that kid's, felt like he gets up so excited. I, I literally almost had a tear roll down. Got emotional. I did. That's good. I love that kid. No, he's, he's he's infectious. His energy is infectious. He's a tremendous talent. And him and Ozzy just brought a whole new dynamic to the the ball club. I think with their their attitude and the way they go about carrying themselves. And they they don't. You know, I'm I'm tired of some people sounding off on Twitter and whatnot saying, oh, they need to. Show more respect for the game, or they need to be more understated. It's like fuck that, man. It's not like they're being assholes. It's no. not like they're, uh, you know, being bad sports. They're just pumped up. Yeah. They're just uh, playing the game how they feel like they need to play it to really enjoy it, and they are enjoying themselves. And their and their passion radiates um, when, when when they do express themselves, and it's just for their love of the game. It's not to be an asshole. It's not to disrespect anybody. It's for the love of the game. It wasn't that the the fucking saying of baseball in the nineties when they yeah. did all those commercials love of the game for the love of the game for the love of the game and that's exactly what they're doing I mean the 20 year old kids they're having fun yeah I I was watching uh, they were showing them in the dugout Ozzy and Acuna and they were just like bullshitting around like 20 year olds did probably talking about shit jokes or something like that yeah and uh, there's like 35, 36 year old Annabelle Sanchez right next to them, giggling along as sure. well. So, you know, the whole team loves them. Yeah. No, it's great. The team has great chemistry. And I think they're a big, big part of that. And they're also one thing that I, uh, I was also thinking about recently was how we were kind of carried by these two guys overall through both halves of the season. Ozzy kind of carried us um, you know, from a young player's perspective in the first half of the season, not as much as Acuna's doing now. Obviously, Freddie and, and Nick Marquet, were also having tremendous first halves, but the production we got out of Ozzy Alves was incredibly unexpected, especially in terms of the power in the first half. I know that sagged in the, in the second half of the season, but he was an instrumental part in us achieving the success we had. And now in the second half, it's been Acuna's turn. Ever since he went to the, uh, the top of the order, to, to, to do that in an even greater effect. So I, I love how these two guys have – it's been a tale of two, two halves of the season with, with two of our youngest players that have uh, transcended us to the top of the NL East. Yeah, quicker than we thought we would be there. Right. No one predicted, even with everyone saying Acuna's the best thing since sliced bread, no projections were saying he was going to do what he's doing right now. 18 homers since the All-Star break is the most in baseball. Yeah, that's wild, man. You think about that twenty-five home runs he has this year, and I think he's just played hundred games. If he played a full season, he's hitting forty-five bombs. If he's if he's uh, playing on this clip, still, it was it was it was frustrating to see us drop those uh, last two of the Nationals. The pitching that's st- coming off a six-game right winning streak, sure. Uh, but the the pitching, <laughs> I sound like Chris Berman there. <laughs> yeah, hey, Well, TJ, you know, uh, but the the pitching staff again struggled. Uh, in the Saturday and Sunday Yeah, even our, our, even our Wayne Gossman was a little off. Um, yeah, he wasn't sharp. I think he gave up four runs. But he, he battled enough to keep us in the yeah. game. He's also bailed out by the offense, unfortunately. But nuke again, man. Nuke did not We're back good. off the nuke train, I think. Well, yeah, three innings, gave up five runs. Julio looked bad. I think he had six walks. He only gave up like two runs, but six walks. Six walks is bad. And I'll agree with you on that, Graham. Uh, according to Brad Rowland... He's one of the better all around uh sports personalities. I don't know if you class yeah, he's a media guy. I think he's one of the better media. He's a reporter. Guys. He's a, yeah, he's a reporter. He's a journalist. Yes. Uh, one of the better one of the better journalists I think that covers Atlanta sports. Like humans. us. Yeah. Well, much better than us. And we're not actually journalists. Uh sure we are. Eh, we don't write anything. <laughs> uh, I write a show description. We, <laughs> That's we, about we it. We mainly just <laughs> recite what journalists say. Right. Or And we have our own observations. Sure. He had a telling stat today that out of sixty-seven qualified pitchers, Julio Teheran is dead last in walk rate this year. He's the highest walk rate out of any starting pitcher. Yeah, it's not good. No, it's awful. And now you get down to you know. We're gonna do our weekly. Uh, why not playoff rotation? Playoff rotation. <laughs> uh, all right, I, I, I'm firm in my decision now. All right, firm. Firm, faulty one. Firm as a cucumber. Yes, Gossman two. All right, Annabal. Tehran, still Tehran man. He's got he's got more experience, I guess. I, I I just worry also about his ERA being like in the sevens or whatever it is in the in the first inning. He just he could he could in the game before it even gets started with how shitty he is in the first inning. Scary, but also... Is that really his ERA in the first inning? Like did you that, make yeah. that up? No, no, no. That is, that is true. Hmm. And But Newcomb hasn't done anything to really warrant consideration right now. Unless, like I said, if you're pitching on the West Coast... That's your guy. That could be your guy, maybe. Because he obviously doesn't pitch very well in the humidity. Fulty is also struggling with the humidity tonight, and he's had times when he's done that during the season. Luckily... You know, when, when it's time for October baseball, it gets a little cooler here in Atlanta. However, it's still... Well, we've got global warming going on now. Sure. So who knows? You know, could still be 95. It could still be. You know, I mean, I feel like uh, Atlanta is really trying to heat up as, as September goes along. Like, I feel like some of these days of this month have been hotter than August days. But coming back to the point, I'm still of the mindset, 41, and you evaluate the rest of the way. You evaluate who you're going to play, how they match up, and where the game is being played. You evaluate the splits. You evaluate the, the advanced Sabre metrics. You evaluate anything you possibly can. Are you officially off Tukey, though? I mean, I don't think it's going to happen, so I I'm, I kind of have to be. Okay. Just because I don't think there's going to be, you know, there's probably no way they're going to say, like Kevin McAlpin told me on Twitter today when he put me in my place. He's like, yeah, you really think you're going to give a kid who's got four professional uh starts of the big leagues, uh, uh, playoff rotation spot. Yeah, you want to talk about people shitting on Snitker if he makes that decision and then Tukey gets shelled. Right. Can't tell me people would be like, oh, no, it was fine. Right. I just love his stuff so much. I think he's got better stuff than, than Julio and, and Newcomb does. But also, he's not immune to giving up a lot of walks, as we saw in the Arizona right. game. So right. it's, it's tough to know who your who for is. And maybe, you know, one thing also against, uh, against Newcomb, is his inability to pitch well on five days rest. So he uh, he doesn't do well. Is a much better ERA, much better WHIP, uh, better strikeout rate when he goes with six days. So you're gonna really ask him if he's your if you're considering him for three or four. You're really gonna ask him to pitch on shorter rest than what he uh, normally thrives in. No, I mean and I don't think you can do that. Well, in theory. I'm sure he would get six days from the end of the season to game three or four. Yeah, but it's or just then, like fact, after he was only that. only start of the series exactly. But then it's like after that. Then what do you do? Then, what if he goes out there and then throws... you pitch him in the NLCS one game? Then you pitch him in the World Series one game? Maybe I don't know. I mean, you can't even talk about that shit at this point. <laughs> I can't imagine winning a playoff series at him. It's been so long; I almost forgot. What I don't it think. Feels I, like. I, th- I think I'm going to be too nervous to watch playoff baseball. We're going to games, so you got to watch it. Not necessarily. Is you gonna go there and what just w- watch football or something <laughs> yeah. at the chop house and just take in the environment? What's silly. <laughs> <laughs> it goes back to Hugo's question of Do I actually watch Atlanta sports? Yeah, that's that's a fair question I guess after that assessment. Yeah, but it's just gonna be very nerve wracking. Oh yeah, no, it'll be. I mean, it's been since 2013, right? Since I watched the Braves playoff game, mm-hmm. and we're not even there yet. We could still blow this. Oh, game. we definitely could. I mean, we are Atlanta. If if, if anything. I saw some people also bitching about, like on Twitter, it's like, why is everyone being so negative when we had this huge lead in the division? We got, you know, a week or two left in the season. Why is everyone freaking out? And it's like, have you lived here before? Have you watched this team beyond this season? Have you watched, have you been a part of the Atlanta sports experience across all the teams? I do think Twitter's just gotten out of control, though. Oh, it has. Everybody's got their own hot take, and most of the time they're full of shit. Everyone's trying to be... uh, Us included. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone's trying to be a top sports, Atlanta sports podcast. right? Not everyone can do it. Not everyone can do it. Not everyone's up to the challenge. Right. Um, But, yeah, it's just all constant negativity, bitching, moaning. No one ever says just, hey, good job, guys. Right. We're, We're in a good position yeah you, you there's some people that are, do that but for the most part you're right yeah, it's like the the trolls sort of infect Twitter and kind of can bring down the experience for others mm-hmm. this week the Cardinals come in for a three-game set currently as of this recording we're down four to two to them and then the Phillies uh, they come to town after that for a four-game set so after that it's the Mets and then the Phillies again to close out the year this is it there's only 10 uh, seven ten thirteen games left mm It's like two weeks' (laughs) worth, Graham. Yep. Getting down to the nitty-gritty here. I've been talking talking about the Braves for a lot. Yeah, it's been a a really fun season, though. I've had a lot more fun with this team than I think I've had since probably the 2012 season, just because it was Chippers last year, and that was a magical run. And I thought a magical team that unfortunately got bounced before they should have due to some really shitty circumstances. But, uh, you know... We're certainly due for something to go our way. Yeah, no shit. <clears throat> I'm just so worried that these walks from both the starters and the bullpen I are have, going to come back to bite us I in the have ass. no faith in the pitching staff going into this. Uh, sorry to be negative again, but it's it's really hard to, to, to feel like we have a legitimate um, shot at anything because of the, the struggles of particularly the bullpen to me. And... And, and and the so, offense and the offense has waned a little bit too. I mean, even though you still have faith in them, they're not doing what they were doing in the early parts of, of July and August. But you still got to respect them. Like I, the offense is at least of my concerns right now. Right now, it's like, can can the bullpen save games effectively? Did you see your boy uh, Viz pitch Saturday? Oh, did he? He's back. He looks solid, man. That's, good. that's he had, good. He had a clean uh, ninth inning. Excellent. Uh, he only threw like eight pitches to get out of it. Too. Yeah, I missed the Saturday game. So. so, I mean, if I mean that's big if he can come back. Because, I mean, he was our closer for most of the year. Right. So that's good, too. He's, that's he's, kind of underrated he, he, that he was gone. Yeah, he's been on the shelf for most of the year. Um, so it's good to get him back. That'll give us a boost and eat up some innings. Otherwise, that would have to go to some of our other better pitchers. Like Sam Freeman. Like Sam Freeman, our boy. But, yeah, it's just tough to think that we're going to win a playoff series with this bullpen. And or even the rotation has been a lot better recently. You know, they're starting to pick up on their walks now. And it's just really the bullpen for me. It makes me feel like we don't have a chance, unfortunately, because you can only – like that Diamondback series, even though we won it, and it was a huge series, and it's it's catapulted us into this position – The bullpen was freaking awful, and you're not going to be—and the the Diamondbacks' bullpen's awful. You're not going to be able to rely on the offense playing these last-second heroics all the fucking time. It's like, eventually, you got to be able to go out there, get a lead, and hold it. And and can the bullpen do that when it it really counts? They've done more times than not. We're on pace to win 90 games. Yeah, but it hasn't just been them shutting people down. It's like the offense has constantly played hero in these late-game scenarios. Like you said, so many of our players perform better in the seventh inning on, which is awesome, but sooner or later, that shit runs out, and sooner or later, it doesn't work. And sooner or later, your bullpen's got to come through for you, and they haven't come through for us in a long time in terms of being just like, give me a clean inning. Like, very few people give us, like, clean innings. or they always like, there's always a lead just, off a walk. There's always told a lead you off I, I know he did. Inning. I know, that's great. I don't appreciate these the consistent- statements you're making. But can't you agree that consistency has sucked for the bullpen recently? Fucking five six ERA, going back to like middle of August, is that true? Yeah, at least as of uh, as of the Diamondbacks series, that was the case. Hmm. They've been shit, and we'll it, see, you, Graham. It just it just makes me worry about the playoffs if we're lucky enough to get there. So it's like first world problems for us now. That's true. Worry, worrying about the playoffs. Yes, yeah, so I hope we're worried about the, how a bullpen's gonna do in the playoffs. While you know. I thought we were going to win, like, 75 games this year. Right, matter. exactly. But that doesn't give you cause for concern, this recent performance? I just performance? said that was my concern. Okay, but you're acting like... Uh, well, I just you, you just took your statements a little too okay. far. All right, that's fair. Eventually, you've got to have a shutdown inning. We've obviously had plenty of shutdown innings if yeah, we're in the, the position few we're in. and fucking far between recently. Well... Is that how Adam. you want to end this podcast, Graham? Well, not, not really. Down note. Well, Adam, I think considering what's happening in the Braves game, we're down 6-2. to two. Every time we look up for the television, Fulton's either giving up a home run or a deep fly ball off the brick in right field uh, over Nick Marquegas. I say yes. I think we ended on a depressing note. We start start high and low. They, they switched it up on us this week. Last, last week the Falcons were the depressing segment. Now the Braves are turning into the depressing segment. Yep. So you know, they keep us guessing. Right. And at least you know at least they're not both depressing in the same week. Right. At least that counts for something. And it should be fun this weekend, man. We're going to the Braves game on Friday, going to the Falcons game on Sunday, so we're getting our we're getting our Atlanta sports in this weekend. Yep. It'll be very fair. Very fair indeed. Hopefully we'll have some something to talk about come uh, next week. Yes. I would hope so. <laughs> <laughs> but also, how's your mental health? Oh yeah. Yeah, let's, let's move on to that. Actually, yeah, we, we can talk about that for a minute, I think. You seemed a lot happier watching the Falcons game. I think... You um, seemed a lot more... I mean, maybe... I mean, I was... I was... Uh, I think I gathered myself better, prepared a little better, I think, when I was going to the, the Falcons game last week. I was of the mindset, I'm going to drink a lot, I'm going to go ape shit. I'm going to watch the Falcons, I'm just going to go crazy. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be really into the game to the point where... Anyone and everyone can fuck off, and I just want to watch. I probably should have just watch it alone if that was my attitude. Right. I wanted to be with people and watch it, but I was just like in rabid, but you also did rabid fan mode to the point of just being uh, uh, just a total prick. This week, I said, you know what? We're down, Dion. We're down, Keanu. I don't know how the office is going to be. We want to watch the game with friends. It's just a fucking game. You're just going to have fun and support your team and that's really all I can say and and just don't don't let it get to where it got last week. So I think overall I, thought I did you know better. I had a couple of moments where I freaked out um, particularly the Matt Ryan last rushing touchdown I went ape shit. Well that's a good freak that was out. a good freak out. And then you know when we started to give the game away at, at the end I started to get a little upset but I wasn't like corner with a motherfucker every two seconds. You so. weren't. I, I, if anything, I thought I was getting a little more upset than you at times. Y- you were. Trayvon's dropped interception. Yeah, really you were. upset me. Yeah, I was like, oh well, at least he deflected the pass. You're like, no nah, bullshit. Because <laughs> <laughs> I scored a touchdown after yeah. that. That always happens, right? And, and of course, so. But that, I think, I, I'm proud of you, Grab. I think yeah. you made good strides. No, I thought that last uh, discussion last week was was really good. It really made me. You know, it was like a inter- mini intervention. It was a reality check. It made me. Do some some thinking. Uh, there, there's probably going to be a massive relapse after this Saints game. Oh, well, going when, there in person. When I, when I go to the game, I, 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 It's yeah. just me and you though. You don't have anything to worry about R- there, right? Uh, I, I'm still going to try to take the the lessons I've learned to heart though, and try to apply them across all uh, aspects of watching sports. Because I had a much better time watching that game. Like even uh, if we had even if we had lost that game, it would have been awful. Yeah. I don't think I would have. I don't know what I would have done, honestly. But I was trying to just. But you had keep moments, myself contained. Moments s- of entertainment. Moments of entertainment, and 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 still be investing in games. Still f- freak out if you have to, but just don't go over the board to the point where you're you're an asshole. And I think I accomplished that this week. We'll have to do an asshole uh, win loss uh, counter for the whole season with the Falcons. Right now, at the Falcons, I'm one on one. But I think even if the Falcons <laughs> lose, I can still come out with a win in terms of how I carry myself. So, You know, Graham, that's a that's a great moral to this whole story. Hmm. Don't be an asshole. Yeah, that's what it comes down to. It's pretty simple. You can you can pontificate and introspect all you want, but that's the bottom line. Don't be an asshole. Go, and, and, when you're acting like that, you're being a selfish asshole. It's, right. about, oh, it's about you. Right. It's not about the team or the city or the people around you. I'm not talking just about you now. I'm just talking about... Oh, anybody, People yeah. in general. Right, yeah, you know, right. I understand. I'm not calling you an asshole. Yeah. Sometimes yes. you're an asshole. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but right now. But in general, you're you're, you're not an asshole. Sure, sure. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's okay. That's fair. But that's I think, a good, a good but mental yeah. health recap. Yeah, no, I think I think we're on the up and up here. I'm kind of like Sark. <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of like Sark. I was in the, the deep uh, well of depression. And now I'm uh, I'm feeling pretty good. I mean, it's also pretty safe to say that as Sark goes, you will go as well. Yeah, potentially. But like I said, I'm going to do my best to try and remain a model citizen as much as I can. And uh, I thought it was interesting this week that Sark clapped back at the media. Mm. You know, where he was like, you know, calling Kurt Warner out for saying like, it wasn't just the same zone you prick. It was, they were bracketing Julio or whatever. But thanks, Coach Warner. Um, uh, you know, he's getting feisty. I like I that. Like, Don't just be a puppet. Right. I mean... Part of me liked it because he had some fire, um, and he actually broke down some things on the Falcons' like website, and it was like, yeah, this is how we got beat here. This block wasn't held up. I made a bad call, or someone made a bad throw, or it Matt pro- made a bad. It throw. probably helps for him to do something like that and show, that, hey, be, I actually know something about football, you dumbasses, right? And it's got to be a little therapeutic too. At the same time, it kind of comes across as you know. When I read the article, I was just kind of like, well, we got. Why can't we? What can we do not to get beat? You know, you're not saying anything like, I mean, you're mentioning in retrospect, why not in the moment, why can't we do anything? You know, I was kind of pissed off when I read that. But I also kind of liked it, too, because he was able to come out and defend himself and wasn't just being, you know, so many times you don't have access. You know, the media doesn't have access to the coordinators during the season. That was kind of nice for him to come out and, and say his piece. And then he backed up. You know, he, he put up. And then he, uh, he he shut us up this week with, with an outstanding game plan. So, you know. Team Sark. That's awesome. Hopefully he, can t- he carries it forward. Well, thank you all for listening. I think that wraps up uh, today's episode of Atlanta Zone. Until next time, rise up, shop on, stand brotherhood, unite and conquer, and remain true to Atlanta. Hospital Tomaset.